This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical, a show exploring the world inside and outside the evangelical subculture. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. My guest this week is Crystal Cheatham, co-host of the Lord Have Mercy podcast and the producer of the upcoming Our Bible app, a Bible app with devotionals for the rest of us. It's honestly hard to summarize all the things Crystal does and has done, but we talk about as much as we can in this interview. A brief summary, we talk about her growing up as a missionary kid, her experiences in the Seventh-day Adventist tradition, her coming out and subsequent fallout with a former mentor, And of course, the Our Bible app and why it's important in a book and app ecosystem dominated by evangelical materials. You can learn more about Crystal at crystalcheatham.com, follow her on Twitter at crystalcheatham, subscribe to her podcast, and go to ourbibleapp.com to be notified when the app is available. As always, you can support the show via Patreon for as little as $1 a month, which will give you access to the private Exvangelical Facebook group. More awards are available at higher levels. You can follow the show across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod, and follow me on Twitter at BRChastain. Please rate and review the show on iTunes and tell people about the show. It's the best way for it to reach a wider audience. All right, let's get to it. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Exvangelical. I have with me this week Crystal Cheatham. She is a podcaster on the Lord Have Mercy podcast and also the founder of the forthcoming app, the Our Bible app. Welcome to the show, Crystal. Thanks. I'm so glad I'm here. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> thanks for uh, talking. I really appreciate it. Um, so let's just jump right into it. Where did you grow up? I grew up, that's kind of a hard question. I kind of, my parents were missionaries, so I grew up everywhere. Um, my first memories are in Zambia, Africa, where uh-huh. my mother is from. And, um, you know, from there we moved to a couple of different states on the East Coast, up and down the East Coast, and finally settled in Pennsylvania. So, hmm. um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, the place that I grew up the most was probably Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so you were an MK. Um what yeah. <laughs> was there uh was there a denomination that your parents were affiliated with or anything? Yeah, both of my parents were devout Seventh Day Adventists. And okay. so like that's the kind of household that I grew up in, just like fundamentalist to the core, um, with like a, a flare of of evangelicalism. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Towards the end. Um and so the missionary sort of work was that uh in uh, I don't have a ton of exposure to uh, mm-hmm. or to missionary work. I mean, I, I've known some people at college and some other guests I've had on that, that have had that. What did their missionary work entail? Yeah, so my mom um, has gone pretty far with her nursing degree, but they went back to Zambia um, when my brothers, me and my brothers were just tiny little things um, so that she could do nursing in the villages and my father... I forget what he was doing. I think that he was um, teaching. Okay. Possibly. Yeah. So they, my mom is from Zambia, so she went back to just kind of help the people um, that had helped her grow up, you know, and uh, we stayed there for about three years and then we came back. Mm. And then when you came back, was that a, uh, 
um, did they continue to work within the within the church or within the denomination, or did they move on to other endeavors? Yeah, so my dad, uh, my dad's side of the family, everybody on the side of the family is a pastor or a preacher or um, a deacon in the Seventh Day Adventist Church or the choir director. So um, very entrenched in in the religion on that side, and also on my mom's side. You know, there's plenty of pastors on that side as well. So um, when we came back, uh, my dad, my dad is actually was actually an artist. He passed away when I was 15, but mm. at the time he was a really great artist. And so when he came back, he decided um, maybe I can't feed my family as an artist. Maybe I'm going to go back to school. And so he went back and got his, uh, um, I think, a business degree. Mm. <laughs> and uh, my mom went and um, pursued, you know, another degree in nursing. So I don't know. When we came back, it was just like um, parents are working uh, and extremely poor and kids are oblivious to how poor we are, which is why we ended up moving around. And at one point, my dad worked at the... Um, uh, in Adventism, there are these different schools, um, and most of them are boarding schools if you're in high school. And then, of course, we have our colleges and universities. So at one point, my dad was a boys dean at Pine Forge University, which is a predominantly black Seventh-day Adventist uh, church school in the hills of Pennsylvania. So that mm. pretty much started our, um, I don't know, our our time here in, in Pennsylvania where, you know, I've, I've left Pennsylvania as an adult. You know, I left to go to school and then I came back to Pennsylvania, and I, I currently live in Philadelphia. But um, yeah, hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so the Seventh Day Adventist, uh, I've I've learned a bit as I've talked to a couple of other guests um, yeah. through uh, that that have that grew up in that in that uh, denomination. Did the Seventh Day Adventist Church have a strong sort of youth group culture at all? Um, as far as the sorts of things that were like, um, I'm, I'm 33. I'm assuming you might be around the same age. Um, yeah, but, I'll be 32 next month. Okay. Yeah. So like, and then, and like the, you know, mid nineties, there was a big like youth group, young Christian sort of movement, um, mm. that was sort of all across the, uh, all across the U S at least, um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> like it was on the cover of Newsweek and all that sort of stuff. Um, did, did the Adventists have that sort of that sort of environment too for for you as a teenager? Wow, what an interesting question. I mean, I, yeah, we had intense programming. I don't know if we were part of the of uh, the global movement of you know youth uh, getting involved in church, but um, yeah, no, church for us was the entire family going to church, mm -hmm. and the I mean, once you're in Adventism. I hate to use, the, I mean, it's not, it's definitely not a cult, but it definitely is this, uh, a different culture, you know? So mm -hmm. when you are in it, it's like you are speaking a different language than, than like your neighbor next door who is an, an Adventist. And so I was very close with all of the youth, uh, who were in my church school, like, you know, and we had vacation Bible school. We went to, you know, uh, Bible um, summer camp together. Mm -hmm. We did, um, what is it when you have like the Bible verses and you sit in like a tournament? Oh yeah. Uh, uh that yeah. was, um, I can't remember. 
Totally anyway, blanking. we yeah, and we had <laughs> we had Pathfinders, which is the um, the Adventist version of Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Oh and, yeah, yeah, right. And and when I was in high school, that's when um, like the whole guitar music really started to kick in. I picked up a guitar mm-hmm. um, and started to like lead worship services and and sing and stuff. And so I think that part of it we definitely had that was just like young adults sitting around praising God, talking about purity culture. Yeah. And um, I don't know, just trying to discover ourselves uh, in the world, but not of the world, as, sure. as they say. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want to discredit people's like and intentions there, I, like you said, t- sort of trying to find your way in the world. There's definitely yeah. a, an earnestness there. That, um, but then, as you mentioned, the purity culture part in particular is always uh, interesting to 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 try to wrestle with now. Now that um, you know, now that we're grown and and everything, um, yeah. And there's yeah. there's still a lot to unpack there. Um, you did mention that you you went to church school. Yeah, I went to Adventist schools from the time I was in kindergarten all the way on up through um, my my college and university time. So uh, I went to a church school in middle school, and for a brief moment, I went to a public school, but that quickly transitioned to a boarding school in Hamburg, Pennsylvania called Blue Mountain Academy. Mm. And then I went um, to an Adventist university um, where I studied music performance and, and English. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was completely like baptized in, um, Adventist networks and Adventist cultures, like all the way through for mm. sure. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that it's like, uh, it was like a, another language. Um, can you give an example of that sort of thing? I guess our lingo was just, you know, um, you know, every, so Adventism is a lot like, um, Judaism slash Southern Baptists, where we are uh, Bible-toting Christians, and we are against adorning yourself with jewelry and being show-offy. But on the other side, we have these incredible traditions around the Sabbath and the Sabbath day, where Friday night is um, you have worship and you bring in the Sabbath. And you know Friday we get out of school early so that we can go home and clean and clean our space for, you know, Sabbath and God to come in. Um, We uh, go to church on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday, and Saturday night we close the Sabbath. And so every Saturday, even now into adulthood, and I don't uh, usually go to Adventist churches now as an adult, but um, I always want to say happy Sabbath, you know, Mm -hmm. to people, Mm -hmm. which is part of the lingo. Um, Anybody in Venice Adventist culture, I mean, shout out to my Adventist friends will know what... (laughs) Um, haystacks are, which is just a food that was, it was like a really campy food that we would eat at almost every single function because at Venice, um, before it was popular to eat kale and be a vegan or vegetarian, they had uh, a handle on um, the health, this intense health code. And so uh, many of our functions were vegetarian. And so we would have this thing called haystacks, which is kind of like a glorified version of, of, uh, of, uh, just nachos. (laughs) (laughs) But listen, listen, (laughs) calling it nachos does not do its service. Calling it nachos kind of like plays it down because haystacks are the shit. And (laughs) 
I mean, I will, I'll cook them for whoever asks me to come to my house and we're going to have haystacks and you're going to be like, what the fuck is this? And why didn't I have it growing up? I'm serious. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Ask any Adventist what haystacks is and they'll just like light up. I promise. Um, so the Adventist school, uh, the, the college and everything, was that kind of on par with some of the other schools? I went to Indiana Wesleyan, so it was a Wesleyan yeah. school. Um, sort of the markers of that was uh, no rated R movies, uh, four on the floor, uh, you know, uh, sort of like visitation dorm hours, um, uh, required chapel, uh, dress code. Oh, yeah. Dress code. Is primer- that yeah. high school or this is college. Yeah. I'm sorry. Is that college? Yeah. 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 Man, in <laughs> in high school, that was, I mean, lights out at 9 p.m. Nice. Um, high Yikes. school, we were not allowed to watch uh, rated R movies. PG 13 was borderline. Mm. Um, girls sat, uh, I mean, before I got there, they had segregated seating with girls and boys. So boys sat on one side of the chapel, girls sat on the other side. But by the time I got there that year, they had just done away with that Mm. um but girls had a dorm boys had a dorm if you got too close to a person of the opposite sex you could be put on on a on social which meant that you had to stay within uh you had to stay it was basically like getting a restraining order against somebody where you just can't come in with a certain number of feet of them okay you know just really intense rules like that and they did carry over to university not so much the 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 gender sexuality ones but um yeah there was no drinking on campus no smoking on campus swearing i mean you could get in trouble for for things like that and we had to go to uh these dorm worships if you lived in the dorm and the whole entire campus had these these campus campus wide worships on Tuesdays and Thursdays and then there was church and it was just like never and and prayer before every class for the most part it was just yeah it was it was intense man <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we i haven't really asked you yet you've described your environment that you were in what was um what was your sort of reaction to all of this? Like how at, at these sorts of stages in life, like when you were being brought up as a missionary kid and um, let's just kind of start there. And then um, how, how did you, did you sort of embrace the sort of teaching and everything that you were being taught or did you um, sort of like strive against it? Um, no, I, I think I was completely oblivious and I'll say that, um, Honestly, there were two years where I did go to public school and those are like eighth and ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And um, in those years, I was just so comfortable with where I was. But uh, that was around the time that my dad got really sick and passed away. And um, my dad was the most religious person and the most faithful person in my family. And so when he passed away, I was trying to figure out what it was that he had because he was on his dying bed with his hands raised to the sky, thanking God for the life that he had lived, which is just like watching him and knowing the pain that he was in, but also witnessing that as his offspring, you know, kind of put me on a journey where I wanted to figure out what he had. So it was my request that I go to the Adventist uh, boarding school. And Mm -hmm. um, from there, uh, complete just 
uh, sub, I mean, immerging myself in in this culture, um, soaking it up, using the 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 faith resources to heal myself from the grief of his death, um, to find my own path because I was a musician and I love singing. Um, and, uh, it wasn't until, um, college that, that veneer, that shiny, like beautiful lie started to crack. And I started to see the holes in, in, you know, the problem with having things so black and white, um, and yes or no. And, uh, yeah, Things things did start to change while you were in college. At that time, huh? Yeah, college. Okay. Where where did things start to crack? Like, where did you start to see the veneer? Um, anything in particular? I think it was just um, I started to have a problem with the idea of sin. What is sin? How do people sin? Um, it the way that it had been defined for me was that um, you do wrong things and then you have to ask forgiveness for those things. And the the way that it was just so legalistic mm-hmm. really started to tear me apart because as an artist, I saw that things aren't black and white. They're very gray. There's a lot of gray area and we should be able to discuss those things. So not being able to ask questions that I needed answers to or when I did ask questions about, um, you know, people people curse and people drink and uh, it, those things don't damn them to hell. So, I mean, how far does this line actually go? Like, why are we adhering to these impossible standards and uh, self-flagellating yeah. constantly when we can live full, fuller lives? And so the first project that I created was Follow the Red Balloon, and it was all about um, trying to push back against that legalistic, uh, dogmatic rhetoric. And, um, I remember I was at a, I was asked to sing at a conference called Oshkosh and there were like 300, like 30,000 or 30,000 people from around the world. It was like Pathfinders, the, the Boy Scouts thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was asked to be one of the performers there. And one of the things that I did during the day when I wasn't, um, doing like the praise team stuff was I carried around a, a camera and I would go and ask people to, uh, share with me, um, basically the whole, like, uh, what are some things that you think are, uh, absolute, absolute evil, or absolute wrong, or absolute, the biggest, the biggest sins that you think that your friends can do or are doing. And mm-hmm. then, admit to me some things that you're doing that your friends think are wrong and just discuss this whole thing of wrongdoing and sin and how just fucking ridiculous it was, you know, <laughs> to sit around pointing fingers at each other. Um, I don't know. It was, it was an inch. I mean, it was so long ago that I can't recall the particulars of the project, but part of it was getting, um, creating like these short, uh, these short videos, you know, pretty much just making fun of, of how legalistic fundamentalism is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so do you remember any of anybody's, um, responses as far as like, because those are, those are big questions. And what I'm, <laughs> what I'm picturing in my head is like sort of man on the street things. I don't remember that. Who's the guy that, uh, 
does the really aggressive like comedy ones now. He was on Parks and Rec. I can't think of the guy's name. <laughs> oh. But it's like man on the street sort of interviewing, and that's what I'm sort of picturing yeah. in my head. Um, yeah, just <laughs> teens in general. And uh, one of my friends, Venny, was um, he was out to a few people about being gay, but at that time it was very hard to be out and uh, in that space. And so, like, I just, I really, really, really wanted him to just talk about. Um, sexual orientation Mm -hmm. and he just kept skating by it. And so I found myself spending more and more time with him and also getting super frustrated that it wasn't something he could say. And I think that was the, the place where, um, I realized in myself how uh, hypocritical that was of me, you know, cause I wasn't out and that conference, um, did kind of, uh, break that, that thing in me that was like, nah, dude, you're not, you're not gay. You're good. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Sorry. I'm I'm just sort of absorbing that for a second (laughs) and trying trying to think of of what, what to ask next now. Um, that, that question that you, and that problem of the concept of sin, um, it's huge. (laughs) Like, and that sort of cuts to the um, to the core of a, a lot of people's understanding of Christianity, right? Um, when you think about Jesus and the cross and all those things, if you if you, were, I mean, for for a lot of people, sin is is like essential in a weird way, um, if that makes sense. Like Richard Rohr, um, and he seems to think that the concept of sin isn't very helpful anymore. <laughs> Um, it's not, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of on, I'm, I'm pretty much on board with that. And I, I struggle with the idea too. Did wrestling with, with the idea of, of sin and the sorts of like shaming and legalism that goes on, goes on with it. Did that change your concept of, of God as well uh, at the time, or was that something that came later, or, or, yeah. Yeah, no, my my belief in God was unwavering. Like I knew God was real. I was just getting more and more frustrated with um the people who taught me about the rules, you know, cuz mm-hmm. I saw that there were rules and I had a community who all followed these rules and then I saw that there was the Bible and I really loved reading the Bible and then I knew that I had a connection with God. And part of the one of the things that they really told me that, that sunk in was there's nowhere that you can go that that God doesn't go. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, fell in love with this, with the idea that um, it is all about the heart. It's all about this relationship that you have with your God and pulling in, pulling tools into your life that allow you to um to understand your human experience, you know, but with, yeah, basically. So the Bible is a great tool to help understand your human experience. And so Mm -hmm. from that perspective, I thought, well, if I am constantly in commune with God, then why, then why does sin have anything to do with it? You know, I know that I get, I guess I'm getting really into the weeds with this, but, um, to me, sin is harming someone else intentionally, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the, 
you know, the, the things about homosexuality or being gay as we talk about, where's the harm? If I'm not harming somebody else, then what's it to you? It's mm-hmm. my path. It's my spiritual journey. Leave me to it. Like the best that you can do is say, hey, here's a tool that worked for me um, on this other thing that I was I was struggling with. I don't know, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so uh, if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll loop back to you mentioned that that you were asking your friend who's gay these questions and, and hoping yeah. to 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 get him to be able to address it directly. And then mm-hmm. you were also asking yourself those same sorts of questions internally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, um, that process for you uh, up and up and to the point when you when you came out and everything like that, what what? How how did the process of um, coming out in this community? Um, how did that go for you? How did you? What was? It? Yeah, it wasn't easy. From that conference, I um, walked away with uh, a mentor, and um, I went back to my apartment, and I had a roommate, and my roommate like flat out accused me of being a lesbian. And I was just so struck that she saw the truth, you know, and um, there was only one other time where that happened to me. And I was 13, you know, and I was sitting in a, a group of my peers and they were all focused on talking about boys. And I was focused on watching TV and they asked me, are you a lesbian? And it just got to the core of of me. And I thought what is this thing and how did they see it? How is it so apparent to ask this question and what does that mean to me? And so when my friend later on asked me that same question, but more in an accusatory, I've been watching you, I know this is who you are, um, it shook me because it had been this discussion in the back of my head for so long um, that I had been denying. I mean, I'd even, I'd been dating dudes, so I wasn't like, I thought that I could learn how to be straight the same way that I learned uh, how to be a faithful Christian. Hmm. And yeah, what was the rest of the question? I don't know. <laughs> it was it was just a general question about how coming out in that community, how that affected you. Yeah, how... okay. So it was it was super hard. Once I figured it out, it was it was very hard. Uh, oh yeah, the mentor. Um, and so I went and I had this mentor who had grown attached to my style of ministry and my music and asked me to come and present at his church. And I went and, um, before going, I was, I came out to him an email and said, Hey, this is who I am. And, um, my lyrics are so close to my, to my, to the story of my life that I just can't stand in front of uh, you know, a crowd of, you know, 350 young adults and, and not share, uh, Hmm. the stories where these songs come from. And so at first he was so on fire for me to share that message. And then, you know, the day I arrived, he said, you know what, whatever message you've prepared, uh, we're not going to have you say it. What you're going to do is just get up and, and do the mini concert and then we'll, then we'll have someone else do the speaking part. And oh, that man. floored me. And I, yeah, I was just like, what the fuck? Oh um, really hurt my feelings. And the next day was church. And I remember talking to him about it in the foyer. Um, 
And, you know, we sat, we stood there talking for a long time. And I asked him, why did you do that? And he said, well, Crystal, as a Seventh-day Adventist, um, if you are a practicing homosexual, you are not allowed on the stage. And I stood there bawling. And this guy, uh, his name is uh, Pastor Manny Cruz. He just stood there cold as ice, just like, you know, because I, I mean, I told you I've, I'd been singing since high school and in college. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I at that point, I'd, I'd, I'd uh, recorded two albums and, um, for him to tell me that the church was willing to accept one part of me, which was, he was willing to accept that I was a musician, but was not able to accept this other part of me. That was my orientation that had nothing to do with him or, uh, or the, or the way that I thought people should see me. Um, it, it floored me. And at that point, that was the breaking point for me. And, um, up until that, I had really been a um, a hyper vigilant Christian and had found ways to um, fill in all of the the gaps that uh, fundamentalism allow- I mean has when it comes to applying that stuff to real life situations. I had just been really creative with glossing it over and figuring out ways that. Um, I hadn't been faithful enough and that's why that thing didn't happen or um, I wasn't applying the scripture right or just that's just how things happen and God has a plan. And, you know, that's when I decided, fuck this. If it comes between choosing me and myself and knowing myself Mm -hmm. and being part of this this grand charade, then fuck yeah, I'm going to pick myself. And um, I moved back to, I moved to Philadelphia shortly thereafter and really started to just explore what it was to be, um, gay. Yeah. I stopped going to church, stopped going to church for a while, um, but I could never stop believing in God, and I never stopped reading my Bible, and um, I really did ache for tools that could have that could have prevented that pain when I was a young adult, which is then why I created the Identity Kit Project um, for queer Christian youth, which was a guide that helped. Um, youth and fundamentalist spaces come to terms with what orientation was, what gender identity was, what the clobber texts were, how to uh, push back against the things people, the arguments people use to, um, to, uh, to prove, you know, that LGBT people or gay or homosexuality is a sin. And um, that project was, was something that helped me to, to understand, to understand how I could reconcile my faith with my orientation. Mm-hmm. 
Where where can so where, where can people find the identity kit? Because I think that that is like mm. a hugely uh, it's a very it's a very important sort of project to take on and and make available. And especially when you when there are youth um, in these in these environments that are hostile to them, <laughs> it's it's. I mean, to read something like that would be such a such a relief um and to be able yeah, to right. yeah to be able to make make that available so where yeah where... the project the project had its its successes we were able to print um a couple do a couple reprintings of of the kit and the cards it was like a it was a i called it a, a community center in a box and what mm. we would do is we would we would print the book and and the deck of playing cards um, that came along with it. And, um, we would, we had a, an online form where youth could go and just fill it out. Very few questions asked. We would send it to them or whatever address they asked us to send it to in an unmarked box. Um, and then they had access to this tool that could teach, uh, teach them behind their youth pastors back behind their parents or, um, authority figures back about, themselves, like what resources to gravitate to, to know that their God did love them and that they had community outside of whatever, whatever small space they were living in. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the, the project didn't, the project, we just could not get funding. And I was doing it at a time where I was, I was a grad student. So I was broke. I sold my beautiful Volkswagen bug so that I could print more of them because we were wow. giving them away for free. I sought all kinds of funding and never secured it. Um, and so hmm. the app, I had to close the doors on the project in, uh, 2013, which was like the worst year of my life for so many reasons, but, um, um, had to close the door on, on that. Um, and whatever copies of the app of the pro of the book I had left, I would send to those who asked for it until it was gone. And, uh, we are going to have a section of the app that I'm creating now Mm -hmm. that does have that content in it. And so the cool thing about an app is that you can download it on your phone. You know, anybody can have access to this and it's a, and it's a Bible app. So those youth can can say, hey, mom, no, I do have a Bible app on my phone. I'm reading the Bible, but that Bible app will also have content that teaches them um, to love themselves, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, LGBT youth have always been a large part of the pull on my heart because they are the ones who are caught in the middle of this war between, you know, conservative rights and everybody else. That's just like, it's like they are the ones who are, who with the with the um, not partially developed brains, you know, so and they're the ones who are coming into new emotions that are just so intense for them. And so we know that when it comes to queer youth, they're they're the they're the first ones to uh, self-harm. They're the first ones to run away from home. They're the first ones to um, to, you know, want to commit suicide. And for me, I was just like, you guys, there's, there's so much bureaucracy and politics around being gay and being Christian and whether it's good or bad, but you know, that stuff aside here, we have a group of people who are growing up and passing through life and 
are really truly believing that that their God doesn't love them. They are the ones who who are the casualties of this war that has nothing to do with anything besides power. And so yeah. I, I, I mean, like, yeah, it was, it was, it was. I mean, I, I fucking bled for for that for those for those groups and for a long time um like i i worked myself into a um what um uh i guess just burnout yeah <laughs> yeah which is why 2013 was such a shitty year mm, man <gasps> i mean that sounds like a complete passion project and like yeah. i mean I'm, that's a bummer that 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 it took so much from you <laughs> Um, but I mean that you're absolutely right. Like those, those groups are the marginalized and at risk people and they're the, they're the casualties of the culture war and it's, yeah. it's a, it's a tragedy. Um, so real quick, um, you you mentioned grad school and were you, what were you, what were you studying around that time in grad school? Yeah, I got, um, an MFA in creative writing from Antioch University in Los Angeles, um, which was a really freeing and wonderful experience because not only was it, a uh, a master's in creative writing and storytelling, but Mm -hmm. they had a social justice bent, which really got me, uh, working with the identity kit because they, I needed a, like a thesis project. Mm -hmm. Um, and my thesis project was, uh, this kit for queer Christian youth affecting, um, a, the world socially was, it was very broad, but it was a social justice focus. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Finished school, started working as a ghostwriter and, uh, working on these passion projects and yeah. That's, that's great. (laughs) um on your on your uh, website you you have a great line when you're when you're talking in your bio um that uh you you talk about having been um a singer and everything as well as all these other projects and everything you've done and it's you you have this this line that just as it turns out i'm also a lesbian and have great faith in god um and that seems to have like sort of carried through all your different all your different projects. I think the one I haven't really asked, I, I really want to spend a lot of time on on the on the Bible app and, and everything involved in that. I think the the one thing I haven't asked you about yet is your sort of performance career, your singing career. So yeah, uh, what what uh, how how tell me about that? <laughs> Just I want to learn more about. Yeah, that. no, I to this day I still love singing. It is, you know when I started looking again for churches, um, I knew that an Adventist church wasn't going to be home for me ever again, just because how legalistic they are. Yeah. Um, and so I started to, I decided, you know, what are some components of church that I really and it all all singing and praising my God, you know, and um, if it's not group singing, it definitely is just holding my guitar because I'm really awkward without it and telling people about the meditations of my heart. And when I first started writing music, that's exactly what it was. My my poems became lyrics, became songs, Mm. and it was all from my, my prayer life. And, um, 
very just like, you know, cafe style music. And when I moved to Philadelphia, I was surviving on gigs. Yeah, I was I was I had to learn how to do covers so I could sing in cover bands. Um and my personal music, I recorded one more album. Um, and my personal music just, I'd never quite found a place for it. Hmm. Um, I guess my frustration with music in general just has to do with this idea that, uh, I mean, when American Idol turned into something that was popular, I knew that artistry, like true artistry behind music was dead. <laughs> you know, people did, people wanted a formula. They yeah. didn't want to sit down and listen to music. And so that's that really that really frustrated me and it really pushed me away from the idea of wanting a career in music because I knew that I was going to have to sacrifice everything. Everything. I mean, everything including um the kind of songs that I wrote and where that came from and the audiences that I would sing in front of. And it's really disheartening for an artist to sit in a room full of, full of people, sing their heart out and, and, and hear everyone just talking over them. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And that's what I, that's what I, I finally was like, why am I hurting myself? I need, I need to find something else to pay my bills. And I think maybe my mistake was, was trying to, um, hold up the financial app. Anyway, that's, 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 that's how that ended. I'm still, I still sing today from time to time. I'm doing another, I'm doing something in, um, like March 17th. I'm singing at a, at a friend's restaurant. Uh, cool. A little outside Philly. (laughs) Nice. That's great. Um, so let's, let's shift over to your, your current project. Um, and, and talk about that for a little while. Um, it's called our Bible app and the idea is really to create sort of a, um, from what I understand, more like a progressive sort of Bible app. That's sort of a response to the more conservative or evangelical bents. Is that, um, is that, is that an appropriate sort of, um, take on it or how, um, what's, what's the elevator pitch? The elevator pitch is that this is a Bible app for the rest of us, for mm-hmm. everyone else who doesn't identify as um, a conservative, pig-headed asshole. <laughs> and I, I mean, seriously, that's that is what it has come to. And there was a huge divide in the the Christian world today, because at some, I mean, I think for a while there, churches were just kind of going along with the "Yeah, we hate gays" kind of thing. You know, but yeah. ever since Trump came to power, a lot of Christians were like, nope, we are going to completely throw our lot in with that dunderhead. And the other Christians are just kind of like, wait, I this is one place I cannot go, you know. And for a long time, the church has just been this this um, anti-gay, anti-women, pro-purity culture, anti-Muslim and other faiths and, you know, you know, anti-choice and just has been just growing more and more and more curmudgeonly and old and mean spirited. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are so many of us who, if we're not just Christian, we identify as spiritual, but not religious. And we cannot deny, just as I couldn't in all those years that I stepped away from the church, could not, we cannot deny that there is a God, that there is spirit, there are spiritual things that happen 
between us. And for those of us who want to, who want to figure out that, who want to figure out how to get along with our fellow man, who want to, who want um, politics outside of their away from their devotionals. That's what this app is for. I get mm-hmm. really frustrated because I'm a reader. I love reading. My entire house is filled with books and I get tired of going to the bookshelves of a bookstore looking for a devotional to, like I did when I was a when I was a young adult and realizing that none of them are for anybody like me. And that breaks my heart because the the right-wing media has a monopoly mm-hmm. on on publishers, on radio stations, on te- television stations, and the rhetoric that they spew somehow seems to speak for all of us, which is bullshit. Yeah. You know, there are so many of us who don't who who are fine with sex before marriage, who are who have who are still trying to figure out, um, you know, where we belong along this this spiritual spectrum, and so. I mean, I'm on my soapbox right now, so you're going to have to like interject, but this is <laughs> no, this is, this is what I like this it. <laughs> app is for the rest of us, right, for the rest of us. That's who this is for, and I'm so fucking excited to be making it. That's awesome. I I love that. <laughs> so, <laughs> what 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 compelled you to to do this in like Bible app form? What what about the app is uh making it an app and not a different type of project because you are based on your your history you've done things in all sorts of mediums so what made you want to do this in an app yeah because the app is the one thing that can go anywhere yeah um i told you that you know my my roots are in zambia africa and you know last time i was there and we went to the bush um there would be one socket with 500 uh different um you know, uh, what are they called? Um, extension cords sticking out of it with a thousand phones plugged into it. Holy shit. <laughs> you know, they were people living in thatch had cell phones, right? And conservative Christianity has colonized, has colonized America and is now going out and colonizing the rest of the world. And if there's mm-hmm. one thing that people need to know, like, it is it is that their higher power loves them and they don't have to be anti-gay, right? And so when you think about that thing that happened in Uganda where the they signed that bill that was the kill the gays bill, that all happened because conservative conservative self-righteous pastors from America went there spewing their rhetoric and which and it was like kindling it was like dry kindling and gasoline and set it ablaze and all of the it's for it's for all of us we have a global community of people who are on our side and and that's 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 what i wanted that's what i wanted to create and you asked where it came where this need came from it came from it came from uh viewing bible apps that um, I would, I would, I would wake up in the morning and I would start to read like blogs that had devotionals on them. And then, and then, you know, I would stumble across something that was anti-gay or, or, or like, I don't know if you have ever sat down to have worship, sat down to meditate and then, and your heart is just open. You know, you are unfurled as a lotus flower. You are just so vulnerable and open to the sun and 
you stumble across something that is just so heinous and against the core of your beliefs that it turns you off and it's confusing, right? Yeah. Just like, I feel like I've been, I, when I come across those nuggets, I feel like I've been touched inappropriately and it's infuriating. And so I decided that I needed to create an app that didn't have that shit in it. In fact, I went and sought out those app owners and I said, hey, what you're writing hurts people like me. What about people like me? And they said, oh, well, we don't police all the things that people put in them. Just like a very relaxed kind of shoe away little fly thing. And I was like, that is so unfair. And that is so mean. And that's exactly how I felt when, when you know, my, my pastor mentor was, was kind of just shooing away my, oh, you're gay, so you're, you're not going to sing here anymore. I was like, it's not, it's not that low bar. It's not that low bar. People are dying over this shit. And you think that it's okay? So yeah, for me, it is a battleground. And for me, that's where, that's why, I mean, I'm, I'm creating this app for me. I can't wait to read the devotionals that people submit because it feeds my soul. Um, yeah. That's very cool. And, um, there's a, a line on, on your site describing the, the app. And I, this is one of the things I, I really love is you, you call it a network of universal community, which I think is a really, yeah. a really cool idea. Cause I think through things like podcasts and Twitter and whatever else, I mean, there is an audience that continues to grow <laughs> and like, and really wants this sort of thing there. Um, and, since we're talking about the devotional aspect of the Bible app, what sort of what um, what do you see as the value of representation, and what sort of voices do you want to highlight in the app? I want I want all the voices. Um, so on the on my on my program and, and crystalcheatum.com slash submissions and submit uh, your own devotional. And um, up until this point. Um, we have uh, accepted almost all of the all of the devotionals that that people have written, um, and just I asked people to think about what they would say to their best friend who was going through a problem that that they themselves have gone through. Um, what would you write to them, and then parse it out into a five day plan? You know, cut it up, make it little uh, little thoughts. You know, just little beautiful nuggets and, mm-hmm. and submit that. And I want every, everyone to write. I don't want anyone to feel left out. And even if they are conservative, I see this as there is a, there is a spectrum of spirituality and it is ridiculous to think that because someone is on one, on one end of it now, they won't be on the other end of it at some time in their life. And we have to stop judging people for where they are right now. Right. We need to accept yeah. them. And so my idea is that if you are if you are agnostic, if you believe that that there is a higher power or something out there, but there is no narrative for defining it, you should be able to find something for you on this app. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a black uh, cis lesbian the way that I am, you should be able to find something that satisfies each of your individual identities on this app. Um, if you are uh, if you are trying to understand, um, how not to be a white supremacist, you should be able to find something <laughs> for yourself on this app. I mean, I just, I want everyone to, to submit something. I, I have, um, a group of, of Ugandans right now who are, who are submitting and I'm so freaking excited, uh, because not only are they talking about what it is like to be black, to be, a uh, 
African black culture, but they're also writing a bit about um, um, the LGBT, the LGBT side of that and how um, their their LGBT stuff is so different than what we have in America. And I'm really excited for people around the world to, sh- to have those voices. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's, that's really great that you're giving that as a platform um, to what you – and to what you said earlier about the sort of conservative wings of uh, Christianity, especially in America, and America being sort of the um, the nexus of all the, this different sorts of publishing, that's absolutely true. <laughs> At different times in my life, I've worked in Christian bookstores, and so yeah. so when you go into a Christian bookstore, you're going to find essentially um, just evangelical stuff. I mean, yeah. you're not going to find anything Catholic. You're not going to find any anything. You're not going to find liberation theology there. You're not going to find womanist theology there. You're not going to find any of that. Um, it's just it's just not on the shelves. Um, yeah. And the same the same definitely goes for different like uh, Bible apps. I know that um, I studied creation care in grad school, and okay. I downloaded a uh, a Bible app and and tried and downloaded a like a creation care sort of devotional and most of it like just was completely in line, not with the scripture, but with a um, sort of materialist (laughs) capitalist um, economic worldview and not really anything to do with uh, making sure that we are stewards of creation. (laughs) And so, I mean, it's just, it was certainly something that um, was not, Co- didn't cohere with with what I was what I was studying, um, and so I all that sort of openness is is actually really encouraging. I think because of that very fact that it, you're allowing people to to represent and legitimize their perspectives, and I think that's incredibly valuable. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, so the, the app is supposed to launch in, in June. And um, at this time, I am asking people to, to show, us, show us that you actually want it um, mm-hmm. and to go on to the Our Bible app website and put in their email address so that when it drops, um, they get it sent right to their phone. And, you know, they can be some of the first people in the world to experience this 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 new media Great. and so it's just yeah. ourbibleapp.com and um if you're out there and you agree uh please just go and go and do that bit um, yeah. and be part of this yeah, yeah. absolutely i'll definitely point everyone there as well um in the show notes and, cool. and elsewhere on on twitter and everything else too um so we'll make sure that that we do our part to to get the reach out there <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, I, I do want to sort of tease out a little bit more, sort of your thoughts ab- about this in general, and how 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 these voices, these communities, can really continue to to s- basically stake their claims um, in the conversation. Um, one thing that I think um, is definitely true, in at least in the United States culture, is that. Um, there's like, there's a very standard, standardized, like evangelical vision and there's a standardized fundamentalist or evangelical sort of cultural shorthand. I think that's one of the things that makes 
this show possible is that everybody has a certain, certain sort of common experience that they can sort of fall back on and yeah. talk to one another. Um, what I'm, what's, what's really an open question for me um, is whether progressive Christianity or liberal Christianity, however you want to phrase it, um, the author Diana Butler Bass has a term that I really love called generative Christianity. Um, mm. what, I'm, so what I kind of think is an open question is would that section of Christianity benefit from that's that sort of um, organizational might or, organiza- or, or s- the way that evangelicals network is when you, when you take a step back, it's really impressive. <laughs> um, yeah. But people that are on the other side of it see that it has some really sort of toxic results and consequences. So the open question being, is there a sort of progressive response possible without it becoming just as, just as standard or um, just as uh, homogenous as evangelicalism is? If I understand the question correctly, I think, I think that what um, evangelicals and fundamentalists really have going for them is um, the power of tradition. And I think tradition is culture and that's what binds people mm. um, and really allows us to to work together and to uh, create, yeah, sometimes what is homogenous, but also what is, you know, ex- extremely beautiful and can be dynamic and creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that, I think that conservative Christians have, have cornered themselves off so far that they are on this crazy little island. Yeah. Um, and, and they can't see anything except each other's, the whites of each other's eyes. Like that's, that's, that's it. They're all just like standing in a circle. They're back to the world, staring at each other. Um, whereas the rest of us, there are so many of us, so (laughs) many of us, Yeah, you know? And so if there is a time where we're going to, uh, hole off and, and become like that, it is not anytime soon. You know, that's, that's not something that I'm worried about, especially, because where I'm coming from is I am promoting diversity. I say be as different and as weird and as funky as you possibly can. <laughs> yeah. Get it out For sure. and find and find the person that's like you, not just like in your town or in your city or in your state, but like across the world, which is the 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 community aspect to this app, which is you know reach find people who have read the same devotional as you and talk to them about it. What did they get from it? You know, mm-hmm. so you're not just limited to the people in your church and their their tiny thoughts. You know, and I mean, not that not that there's anything wrong with the people in your church, but you're very limited that way. Right. And yeah. I don't know. I think I think first we are each other, and and then we can we can start to to. Uh, to form those those connections and and that community and and I mean and then I think it just it, I mean that sounds like we're just going to get smaller but I think it's going to explode and become bigger. Right. Yeah. 
Was that the answer to your question, or did you actually ask me answer, ask me something else? <laughs> no, no, that that was a great response. I and yeah, it, it like I mentioned, it, it's kind of uh, an open question for me, just because I the sort of the proliferation of different different podcasts, different groups online, like different private Facebook groups, all these people that are sort of uh, exploring this space. Um, I, I think it's great, and I think that uh, I just don't. I just am thinking back to my own experience within evangelicalism, and it feels so large, and not and impersonal, definitely impersonal too. Um, but I think that there things things that are sort of happening in in this part of the faith community are vibrant and made um, just. And vibrant and like uh, there's there's a book called Small is Beautiful, um, mm-hmm. and it's that's really to me what what it seems like is happening, <laughs> and mm. um, and it's and there's there's all these different pockets and yet they all have intersections like they all connect um, in really strange and wonderful ways. <laughs> um, yeah. So so, um, so yes, you did answer the question. <laughs> Good. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about your podcast and what what you're doing there too. Yeah. I mean, my podcast is just a way to have fun um, and to talk about God, sex, and the Bible. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot to explore when it comes to sex. And so many of us carry shame Mm -hmm. um, or... um, or we haven't looked <laughs> raising hands <laughs> or we or we just haven't figured out like like how the bible actually wants us to have sex or you know what how all of that translates to um current events and how we're living today and so um yeah those those are the three things that I try to touch on in each episode but really it comes from like every single different angle um I don't know, sometimes we get heavy into politics. Sometimes we talk heavily just about certain verses in the Bible. Um, but my co-host, um, Alba Onofrio, a.k.a. Reverend Sex, um, <laughs> has a section where she answers questions from people who just, you know, want to know, you know, I am doing this with my partner and I just I want to know what um, if, uh, if this is helping or hindering my, my spiritual relationship with God. So hmm. yeah, it's, it's dope. Lord have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, where else can people, where else can people find you online? You're sort of, you, you've got so many things going on that, um, you know. where, where can people sort of find all the stuff that you're up to? Yeah. I mean, just my website, crystalcheatum.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter at crystalcheatum. Um, check out the Our Bible app uh, website and Our Bible app on Twitter, and um, feel free to look me up on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's YouTube clips if you actually want to listen to my music. Um, yeah, find that you can find my album on on iTunes. I guess I am all over the place. <laughs> hadn't thought about it. <laughs> yeah, you, you you've stayed busy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. was there anything else you wanted to touch on? Was there anything I, I didn't really mention that, um, that we should sort of dive into? Um, no, this has been really nice. I think I just want to, 
I think I need to say as a caveat that I am I'm not I'm not angry. <laughs> I'm just really passionate. And in this discussion, I found myself just getting, you know, so emotional. Uh, <laughs> and this and that's because as as I mean, as our discussion hopefully proves, this has been been a lifelong pursuit mm-hmm. to to figure out how to present God to the masses in a way that is not judgmental the way that Jesus was. And I just get so teary and furious and happy and like all of the emotions when I get to talk about this. So I just hope that I didn't scare anyone when, you know, <laughs> no, I, went off I, the rails. <laughs> no, I, I think your responses were great. I, your passion is very evident and uh, that's, that's a good thing. I, <laughs> I, that was a good workout. So <laughs> <Feel> great. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, so yeah, everybody, check out uh, Lord Have Mercy, our Bible app. Look up Crystal on 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 Twitter and Facebook. We'll uh, add all that to the show notes too. Um, so, Crystal, thanks very much for joining me. This is great. Thanks for having me. This is great. <laughs> You're great to talk to. I fucking love it.